0: This episode of Writing Excuses has been brought to you by Audible. Visit audiblepodcast.com slash excuse for free trial membership.
1: All right, here we go. <clears throat> We're going to see how this goes. Okay. This is Running Excuses, Season 4, Episode 9, How to Write Men. 15 minutes long because you're in a hurry. And We're really not that smart. I'm Brandon. I'm Dan. I'm Howard. I'm Jessica. And we again have Jessica Day George guest starring, I just author believe. of, <laughs> of, of <laughs> numerous wonderful middle grade and/or YA books. All right, so um, Dan is very, very frightened of this podcast. Um, we tried to. I just take, don't know what to say. <laughs> We took a stab at writing how to write women. We've taken several stabs at that and um, have gotten derailed every time. So maybe we'll try that again later on. But I figured we'd start with something that presumably should be more easy for the majority of the podcasters, which is how to write men. So advice on writing men. I'm going to start with Howard. Howard, do you have any advice for you? You write you have a team of mercenary and a lot of them are guys and they are very manly guys. How are you writing them? I'm mostly just using dialogue,
0: you know, snippets, uh sentence fragments, things like that that I've heard in conversation with my friends. Okay. It's uh I mean it's not that we, you know, talk about hurting people and breaking things all the time, <laughs> but it is a we we don't we we don't mince words and I guess when I'm when I'm writing men, I try to make sure and this may just be an aspect of writing for a comic in which I don't have a lot of words to play with uh, is writing straight and to the point. Uh, Male conversations, male communications tend to be a little more direct. Okay. Tend to be painting
1: with broad brushes, obviously. Mm -hmm. They actually, in linguistics, call it male and masculine and feminine speech pattern Um, because based on there's actually linguistic traits and again, all of these things are generalities and you shouldn't use you know, take generalities as hard Mm -hmm. facts, but they do say, men will say, I want you to do this. Where women will say, it would be nice. Could you
2: do me a huge favor? My husband hates to hear that. He's like, just (laughs) tell me what you want.
1: (laughs) Right. And then linguistically, they have named it that way. Um, I want to throw in a preface also to this podcast. I I mentioned this before when we we talked about writing female um, characters. Uh, Character is a character. And a character, you know, any given person can defy any generality and they should, in fact, defy defy some of the stereotypes and fall into some of the other stereotypes. But if you try to write every one of your men as thinking this must be a man, then you're going to run into writing all your characters exactly the same and they're going to be cliches. But I do think there are some things we can chat about that will help you, particularly those female listeners, to be able to write... Male characters. One of them is male speech pattern, masculine speech pattern. Um, do you, Dan? Oh. No.
3: <laughs> <laughs> yes, I do.
1: Clean <laughs> <Well, okay>. writing. <laughs> when, when you are sitting down to write, do you specifically write the men differently than you would write women? Um,
3: no. Okay. Although I will specifically write the women differently than I would write men. Okay. If that makes any sense. So you
2: start with a male character. I do, and- I,
3: the, the trouble with me is that I start with myself. This is my answer, you know, someone asked, And you are a man. How, how, how do, yes, <laughs> okay. I am. Oh. How nice. Can't you tell by my manly voice? <laughs> I, when, when people will ask, you know, how do you write men? How do you write women? How do you write for teen audience? I always am writing for myself. Always. And so I am writing the kind of characters that interest me, and I'm writing them in a way that interests me, specifically. And so I don't think about it with men. I will base them on people that I know sometimes... Um, but when it, what, what changes for me is when I come to write a woman and I have to think, okay, I want to make this person different than all of the men
1: around them. Okay. Um, Jessica, have you ever had trouble with this when you sat down to write and the first time you had to write a male character? Did, was it something that stopped you or did it just?
2: No, it seemed very natural. I just... Um, well, I started with dragons, really. Um,
4: Okay.
2: (laughs) I have mostly male dragons in my dragon books, which were... And so it was actually, for some reason, very easy to write a male dragon. And so I guess I just sort of picked the wings and scales off the guys.
0: (laughs) (laughs) That's disturbing. That is
2: disturbing. I'm sorry. Um,
0: No, no, don't apologize uh, for it. It's disturbing in all the right ways.
2: (laughs) But no, in in Princess the Midnight Ball... um, who I think of as my main character, although the point of view switches back and forth between a girl and a guy, it is the guy's story. Mm-hmm. It is the returning soldier. And for some reason, it just, he just, this whole character just kind of came to me and I knew exactly how he would react in certain situations and exactly how he was, okay. he would talk. And he was a, he's a 19 year old child soldier now retired. And
1: okay. I don't know. Howard, do you approach writing your female mercenaries differently than your male mercenaries? I try to. Uh, I think that's actually one of the places where I am weakest.
0: Okay. Um, but you, uh, mm-hmm. I I spend time thinking about it. In well, one of the things that you see in military organizations is that very many of the females who are in military organizations are you know have adopted man speak. Okay. They yeah. start to talk and think like men because that's the community they're living in. Mm-hmm. And so that gives me
1: that kind of gives me a buy on this. Okay. I can, right. I can, you can. All right. Um, a Story that's popped in my head. that might be useful for this. There's there's been a study done. Um, and, you know, if I'd been on ball, I could have. This quoted for you. But <laughs> anyway, let's pretend there's a study. Okay. Uh, um, anyway, what they did is they, uh, they brought groups of people in who were pairs of people in who were who described themselves as best friends, men and women, and they brought them into a room and they gave them a test. Um, some little tests that they're supposed to, supposed to be going through, they, they pretend that the subject of the test is important for the psychological examination or whatever they're doing. And then what they'll do during the middle of this test is that the, um, people giving the test will say, will get a call in the middle and have to like, Oh, I'm gonna have to leave for five minutes. I'll be right back. And they will leave. And the real test starts when they observe yeah. the best friends sitting together in the room and see what they, how they, how they act around one another. The women would immediately start chatting about the test and about what's going on in their lives and would have this big, exciting, long conversation. The men would sit quietly until the people <laughs> doing the, the interview would return. And this kind of says something about the gender differences perhaps, it's cultural, whatever it is though, I don't want to get into is it biological, is it cultural or what, But. What, there are lots of theorizing going on. And you may just assume, oh, it's because men don't talk as much. That's not no. true. Men talk a lot. But it's one, one of the things that we look at the psychology of men and women is men do tend to get focused on a task. Mm -hmm. And they consider that we are now doing this task. The men in that room, therefore, were thinking, we are in test-taking task mode. And even though the test cannot continue, we will not break this mode until we have accomplished this task, which Mm -hmm. is taking this test. Whereas the women generally, again, generalities, multitasking, um, jumping from topic to topic is more common and this sort of thing. And they slip in and out of modes more easily. And so as soon as someone leaves, they slip into let's com- have a conversation with my friend mode. And then the person comes back and they slip into test taking mode. Um, and this is, a, this is a way that I actually approach writing genders in my books. Um, when I'm writing a guy, guys do tend to get more focused on a single task. You give them something and they want to get that done. And if they are not getting it done, it bothers them and they will mull over it, they will think over it, they will ponder over it, they will do all of these things. I think it's a stereotype and a wrong stereotype that men don't worry and think about things as much as women do. But I think it is true, at least in my experience, that men get more focused about things.
4: Mm -hmm.
5: What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify?
1: Um, let's go ahead and do an advertisement first. Hold that thought, Dan, and then we'll come back and launch into you. Um, I wanted to do an ad this time, our book that we go on to actually pick, The Maze Runner. Now, you may be asking, why didn't we use The Maze Runner as our um as our, our book of the week, the week we had James Dashner on the podcast. Well, the answer is because we're stupid. Um, <laughs> <laughs> well, it's not there, quite there's that. There's a more flattering answer to that. Yeah, we, we looked it up a couple weeks before, and the Maze Runner wasn't on Audible, which very much disappointed us. We actually wanted to use it as our, our book of the week the week before James came on, and then have you all read it, and then he would be on. Um, But we thought that was very clever, and then it wasn't there. And then when James came after he was on, he's like, why didn't you use the Maze Runner? Like, oh, it's not on Audible. He's like, yeah, it is. And he brought it up, and it was right there on his phone. And so we felt stupid. Um, It is a wonderful book. It looks like it has just gone up on Audible. Um, I have read this book and enjoyed it immensely. Um, I think you will enjoy it as well, and you can go to Audible and download your own copy um, and get a 14-day free trial of Audible's book club. Uh, go to audiblepodcast.com slash excuse. All right. Mr. Wells, you yes. had something very poignant and deep and important and it philosophical. It brilliant, to right yes.
3: along the lines of what you were saying before about uh, men getting very focused on a task. And, and dealing with it till it's done. Men are also problem solvers, mm-hmm. much more specifically in general than women tend to be. That's how we approach things. Um, I've e- even noticed looking at the way my wife and I will use our free time or the way we will deal with stress is I will do it by fixing something or right. solving something, playing a strategy game that I can win, You know, something right. that I can <laughs> accomplish. And um, Dawn <laughs> breaks things.
1: And, no, Dawn will go around and, and do whatever other things, things she does when she needs to deal with stress. Um, no. I, I, you were talking about something last night that even kind of works with this, and that is that Dawn, your wife, will just kind of keep cleaning all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas, <laughs> Because again, I'm messy. No, I, I think it's, it's, again, the modes thing. A guy says, yeah. it is time to clean. I am now going to clean the entire house and be done. So mm-hmm. then I will play, enter video game playing mode, and I will play video games for five hours or whatever. <laughs> yeah. um, well,
3: and, you know, you, you can look at this as well in, in your relationships. You know, women, if, one of the complaints that, uh, that you see a lot of women about men is... You know, I am, I'm telling you this not because I want you to tell me yes. the, how to solve my problem. Right. Yes. I just want to tell you why I'm sad. Yes. And men will answer by saying, well, don't be sad, just fix it. And let me tell you how. And no, that's not what women do. Here want. are seven
1: ways to fix it. Yeah. Just
3: pick one of them. And it's because yeah. men have this kind of mental toolbox.
0: Problems are there to be solved. Oh, wait, you're having a hard time picking one? That's a different problem. <laughs> yeah. I can
1: solve this by picking it for you. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So let's turn this focus back toward writers. How can the writers use this in their fiction? How can they, what advice can we give them specifically? We, you know, do they want to go read psychological, um, you know, profilings of the genders? I've never done that. i I'm just kind of, neither I, ones. you know, there was this, uh, there was this gal sitting in front of the,
0: uh, in front of the booth at LTUE mm-hmm. who asked, she said, you know, I, I'm a girl. Uh, I have nothing but sisters um, how am I supposed to write men? And I remember listening to that and thinking, well, the easiest thing for you to do is just stop being paralyzed and thinking that because you're a woman, you can't. Okay. Yeah. Just write Mm -hmm. and then hand it to your alpha readers or, you know, your writing group or your mom or your sisters or whoever, and ask them flat out, does this sound like, does this sound like men to you? Um, one of the things that I've learned over and over and over again is that uh, your, your customers, your readers, your, you know, the, the people who are consuming what you create, they always know when there's a problem. Mm-hmm. They don't always know how to fix right. it, but they always know when there's a problem. Don't borrow trouble. Start writing it first. You, you know, ever, when,
3: when yeah. I think about uh, the cases where I can specifically remember feeling that the gender roles in a book felt off are when, someone, when the author's obviously trying to overthink it. Mm. You know? um, in, um, my sister's keeper, the men in that book did not act like men. They acted like a woman trying to write very manly people. Um, and I, I think for the most part, if you just
2: don't they were way overanalyze way too concerned with their it. feelings for guys, <laughs> I'll be quite
3: honest. <laughs> well, and ev- every man in that book at some point showed off their muscles to the women
0: and no, I, I, that's not how men are, for the most part. <laughs> it's like uh, it's like those scenes in Mulan where she joins the army and tries yes. to fit in by we're doing very the things manly, that we're, aren't very we? manly. We have aren't swords, we? swords mm-hmm. and we
2: spit. <laughs> yes. oh, yeah. Yes. So
3: I, I would say my main advice is don't overanalyze it, and mm-hmm. just try to make it sound
1: natural rather than try to make it sound manly. So maybe. St- Kind of what we came back to, start with character mm-hmm. and build out from there. When I do start with character, though, like a, a great example of this might be to read the... I, I, I started with my Missborn books. I started with Vin as a guy, right? Mm-hmm. I, read, I wrote Vin as a guy, and then I changed mm-hmm. Vin to a girl and wrote chapters with Vin as a girl, and the character worked fantastically better. Yeah. And I'm not sure why. I think it might have been that I made the conflict for this character, starting out, kind of a, um, an abandonment complex. Which, when the guy was thinking about it, the way he thought about it, the guy then kind of sissy didn't work. It really didn't work. When the girl thought about it, it worked beautifully. And I—that's not to say that girls are weaker because you know it just the abandonment complex. The way he considered it, the way a guy approached it, what made for a boring character, and the way a girl approached it made for an interesting character. I can't even really explain why that worked or why that happened, um, but it did. Jessica, have you ever taken your books and given them to guys and said? Can will you fact check on my guys? Will you give me a read here and see if they feel like, you know, men?
2: Oh, yeah. Uh, princess the Midnight Ball, which mm-hmm. is the one where the main character is a guy. Mm-hmm. I uh, put a plain cover on it since there is a princess on the cover on some <laughs> of the early copies. of The book I gave it to some of my sisters, AP English students, the boy students, and they absolutely love that book. They okay. said it was awesome. They said they didn't mind the girl in it at all because they loved the guy. And mm-hmm. they thought he was just.
1: So, but you're saying. It's I'm like, like really? So that seemed like a
2: guy it. to you. And they're like, yeah, how did you do that? Is, is that based on your husband? And I'm like, not remotely. He can neither shoot a gun nor knit. <laughs> so it, you know, it, it worked. I, you I
3: put
0: a guy in your book who can knit. Yeah. That's wow. awesome.
3: I I, I will recommend Princess of the Midnight Ball as a great example of a woman writing a man because I thought it worked really, really well.
0: I just confessed to not reading one of Jessica's books, didn't
2: I? I? (gasps) You totally did. I I. totally
0: have. I
1: haven't read that one yet either. But I have read one for others. Oh, well for you. Mm-hmm.
2: Well, until the um, early 19th century, women were not allowed in knitting guilds because it was considered too complicated and they were afraid they would overheat their brains and be unfit for bearing children. <laughs> so most professional <laughs> knitters were in fact guys and they would teach soldiers to knit because there was no male on the front line. So if you needed new socks or hats or anything, you had to make it yourself.
0: So what have you done, Jessica, to overcome the overheating problem? Because I see you thinking a lot.
2: I strap ice packs to my head all day while I'm writing because I I am concerned that I will not be able to pop out eight babies and make a pot roast and iron my husband's shirts by 5 p.m. Wow. Yeah kind
1: of a struggle all right on that <laughs> note i'm going to make right, howard give us our podcast. um our writing prompt because <laughs> he forced jessica to answer that question <laughs> no you know what that's a, this is this
0: is a fantastic this is a fantastic writing prompt Thank uh you. this is your alternative history writing prompt go back into the 19th century take an absurd folk belief like one of the ones that jessica just shared with us take that and treat that as fact oh treat that as fact and write a story that hinges on that principle. All right. Awesome. This Ooh. has been Writing Excuses. You're out of excuses.
1: Now go write.
4: If you aren't familiar with Locus Magazine, they're a long-standing and respected website, magazine, archive, and resource for science fiction, fantasy, and horror. Basically, they're the industry magazine for our genre. They also run the annual Locus Awards, a top-tier award that recognizes new, diverse, and excellent voices in speculative fiction.